Welcome to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, Associate Producer and Starista's Creative Copy Manager. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges of the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In this episode, Vincent and AJ chat with Andrew Almendras, Vice President of Global Creative Marketing at IMAX. He explores what the power of creativity, design, and storytelling look like in his role and how that contributes to the brand's evolved identity. He and Vincent also share their experiences with the Big Brothers Big Sisters program. AJ gets a custom pair of socks, and Vincent continues his nicknaming streak. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, it's me, Vincent Petrofessa. That must mean one thing and one thing only. It is another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. It is so good to be here. Hopefully, you're happy to hear from me. I don't know. Maybe you're not. If not, that's okay. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Starista's The Marketing Stir. Who is Starista? Really quick. We're an identity marketing company. We have our own business data, our own consumer data. People utilize that data to get more customers to market to, email marketing. If you have data that's fragmented, it's old, send it to us. We will append new attributes. We will enrich that data. We can model that data to get you new customers. We also have our own DSP. We could help execute media. Email me at vincentatsterista.com. That is how confident I am that we could help. I just gave the world sort of the world, you know, a great amount of you. Thank you so much for listening. My email address. Ah, oh, it's a good day. And it's always a good day when I could introduce my co-host, ladies and gentlemen. He is the CEO of Starista. I call him the San Antonio sweetheart. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. AJ Gupta, what's going on? Oh, San Antonio sweetheart. I think I like the Slayer better. I know you like the Slayer. I want to show people the soft side of you, AJ. You know, okay. uh, I try, just like I try to hide it. You do try to hide it, but uh, just like there's America's sweetheart, I think Julia Roberts. You could say you could say Tom Hanks. You're San Antonio sweetheart. I just came up with it. It's kind of tough coming up with new names every week, but I'm trying. And I love it. Tell me what you think. It's pretty. You know what? It actually goes with what I did yesterday. I wore a custom pair of socks. Ah, and tell me about that custom pair of socks, AJ. It showed up at my house one day and without, without a name, it just had socks in it with my initials. So I was pretty excited and happy to receive it. And uh, I, I thought maybe uh, someone just uh, a secret admirer had sent me. So that made me extra happy. Well, in a way, I am a secret admirer, AJ. That gift was from me, as he now knows. I was waiting. You know when you send a gift and no one says thank you and you're like, wait a minute. Why didn't they say thank you? You know, in his defense, he kind of, you know, I don't, I don't think I put like a note in there. Uh, AJ, as our CEO, helped, you know, facilitate an awesome partnership that we now have with a new client. So I said, let me, let me up his game. You know, let me up his style game as I'm always often doing. He's, you know, made leaps and bounds from where he used to be. I'm kidding. <laughs> Am I? Not really. But anyway, oh, it's good to, good to hear from you, AJ. And I'm excited today. I am excited for so many reasons today, not just because I'm class happy as 1996, Porchester High School, but no, it's because one of my favorite, favorite brands 
I, I, I can I call it a brand? It is a brand. It is a brand. It's one of those things where when you know that this brand is involved, it is special. It is special. I am talking about IMAX, ladies and gentlemen. You know IMAX. And I feel like Starista is officially IMAX certified. Now, this guest may say, hey, you can't use our name like that. How dare you? But I feel like we are now worthy. Because when you go see a film that has IMAX stamped on it, the IMAX technology, the IMAX experience, you know it's going to be amazing. The sound is going to be amazing. The picture quality. Well, I, I heard something about getting a free IMAX built into our office after this podcast. So I'm excited. Well, yep. You, that's it. See, uh, that is part of the package. I don't know if you agree to that. It's like, that would be great. Imagine like our meetings in IMAX, who's going to not do business with us if our has like all of that backing and sound, you know, that would be amazing. And I am so happy to introduce our guest. Our guest is the vice president of global creative marketing. And this is not just, you know, this creative team, Award winners, ladies and gentlemen, 2019 Best Marketing Campaign, Brand Team of the Year, Best Branding. I'm embarrassing him because of all these amazing awards. He graciously is here with us. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Andrew Almendras. What's going on, Andrew? It's going well. And thank you, uh, Vincent and AJ, for, for having me on and for that amazing, amazing. I, th I think that's like an IMAX worthy introduction and you know for me i'll certify both of you guys as imax fans as yes. official IMAX fans so so amazing amazing introduction and thank you thank you so much for having me i'm super excited yeah we are as well andrew thank you so much i i you know the imax such a just a powerful brand and i me being a huge movie fan you know we've had guests on before we've had regal cinemas on and we've had people from uh discovery networks uh, just being lovers of film and, and, and television and you know imax it's really uh, happy to have you here and i wanted to we were extra happy to have you in particular because of your role specifically as the global creative marketing the vice president of global creative marketing for for those of you tell us about your role within imax if you could also you know tell people who haven't heard of imax i, I doubt there's anyone out there but tell them about the imax uh you know experience and then, uh, then I'd love to also understand uh, how you got into that position. But let's start with your current role there. Yeah, I mean, you know, my role at, at IMAX is, is so unique. And I always say this every day with my team and with my colleagues and even friends. I say, you know, I have the privilege to really bring to life the narrative that is IMAX. And, you know, I think the power of creativity, the power of design, the power of storytelling, to be able to do that and to share that with you know, our customers in the greatest way possible is what I get to do day in and day out. So you know, my role at, at IMAX is, you know, um, I've had the honor um, and the privilege to, to build an in-house creative team, um, which is you know, multidisciplinary. And we have the opportunity to work on everything from product launches to content campaigns to brand campaigns, everything where the brand comes to life. Um, and consumers and employees are able to interact with it, that's our job is to bring it to life and bring it to the forefront. And as far as IMAX, you know, people understand the, the experience, the theaters. Elaborate a little bit more on IMAX as a whole. 
Yeah, you know, IMAX is such a unique brand. And, you know, for, for many who may not know, what IMAX really stands for is Image Maximus. So really achieving the full potential, the full maximum of an immersive experience. So, you know, we have 1600 plus theaters around the world, right? We, we even have, um, you know, as of late in Saudi Arabia. Um, and so we are in 80 plus countries, which is amazing. Um, and, you know, for, for us, it's really, you know, we are the global platform for, you know, theatrical blockbusters. And, you know, when, when I first got interviewed at IMAX and, you know, people had asked, you know, um, you know, what's your experience with IMAX? And I said, you know, I think the most powerful thing about IMAX is, you know, when you go into the IMAX experience and you sit there. And when I sat there and saw Free Solo or when I sat there and saw Dunkirk by Christopher Nolan, you are fully immersed. And after you exit the theater, you are provoked to think in a different way. You are shaped to wanna do something different. And, and you look at the world in a very different way. And that's what IMAX does to you, right? With our cameras, our um, projectors, our screens, the entire package, that's the IMAX experience. I love that. And then Andrew, uh, how did you get into uh, the creative field, marketing? Was it a traditional path of like, I studied that at school and, you know, or was it a non-traditional path where I was like, I studied philosophy and here I am now. Um, I think that the most interesting thing I always tell people with marketing is marketing, the more you know, the more you're exposed to, the better you are at marketing. Because marketing to me is, is, is essentially, you know, understanding the world and understanding human beings. Um, you know, a few of my colleagues um, a few years ago, they joked around, they said, you're like Tiger Child. And I said, what, Tiger Child? And they said, yeah, IMAX is like first documentary, Tiger Child. I was the child who wanted to do everything growing up. And, and I think creativity always oozed out of me from, you know, building Legos and then Play-Doh, but it was never like, imagine, you, you know, it was never um, the type of, imaginary play that everyone else has where you're pretending you're playing with other people. I was constantly building things. So building things that were always functional. And I would say, you know, I would drive by the 134 freeway with my mom as a young kid. And I would look up at the Disney animation building. And I said, you know, someday I want to be in that building. And I'm like, what are they doing in that building? You know, what are those storyboards that they're building? I mean, a few years back when I had the opportunity to actually go in there, you know, not working for Disney, but working for IMAX and living and breathing um, creativity, you know, I would say, you know, it's always been in me, this creativity. Um, I've never understood how to unlock it. Um, in school, I've always um, created these connections with things. I've always, you know, been involved in things that would ooze marketing, that would ooze creativity. Um, and I would say, you know, um, coming here, I studied Spanish and international studies, and I lived in Spain for a year and, and managed to travel the world. So I think for me, it's, it's not the traditional path. <laughs> um, I think for me, getting to IMAX, um, I wanted to help grow a brand. And I wanted to help grow a brand that is authentic, um, that is ethical, um, a brand that um, that resonates with not just generations of the past, but the generations of the future. Well, Andrew, I can tell you from personal experience as a movie lover, uh, you know, 
it's it's almost like if the theater is good, you think, oh, this must be an IMAX. So it's uh, kind of uh, become synonymous with good movie experience, which is a great brand. Uh, but how do you, who do you guys market to? Who's kind of your target audience when you think about marketing at IMAX? Yeah, you know, IMAX is a 50 plus year brand, right? So we have gone through transformations and evolutions. We started off in the documentary space, right? With institutions. So here it's the California Science um, Center. There's also, you know, the Melbourne Museum. There's all of these, you know, several museums and institutions. So we started off within that space. So as the years have progressed through the decades, our, I would say, audiences have evolved, right? It went from, you know, people within the educational space to then people, you know, it, um, within the blockbuster space, so as you, you know, the Marvels and the DC fans. And then now I think it's further evolving to even spanning beyond that. Um, so I think, you know, it's always been about the core fangirl and fanboy. I would say now they've turned into fan men and women <laughs> who have kids. And, and so I think there's, you know, I, you know, when I, when I am um, first, you know, experienced IMAX, it was as a child going to the California Science Center. Um, and I think today, you know, the audiences, the kids of today, they experience it watching their first, you know, um, superhero film. And then I think it'll continue to evolve. And I think our audience will always continue to, to broaden, especially from country to country. And what's kind of the strategy that goes into deciding which movie theaters are going to offer an IMAX experience or is there a discussion around what movies are going to be in IMAX? Yeah, you know, I would say um, when IMAX was first founded, um, you know, in Expo 67, the entire intent was how do you bring this experience to life, make it accessible? And I think, you know, I think there's, uh, you know, there's an opportunity to just keep it exclusive. But I think the fact that we've blossomed and we've boomed globally, I think it, it really says a lot to A, the relevancy, right? So if there's people around who go, you know, I want to experience something like that. I want to be able to travel the world because IMAX transports me. I think that's number one. I think number two is, you know, um, areas where it's highly trafficked and sought after. And I think those are, those are the areas. And, you know, if there's you know, areas throughout the world where we can bring these experiences to life, to communities and to, um, you know, cities and countries where they're able to live for two hours in another space. That's really what we're looking for. Andrew, you know, because, you know, you've traveled yourself, you love to travel. Do you, and then, you know, the global impact and footprint that IMAX has, what stands out to you? Can you give some examples of like how other countries are, you know, consuming movies, just some things about the creative aspects or marketing that is really different in other countries as, as compared to the U.S.? Yeah, I would say, you know, I, I think first off with, with traveling, I always say that traveling is the closest thing to teleportation. <laughs> I always say you, you get on a plane, you close your eyes, you wake up, you're in another time zone, you're in another country. And I think, you know, with, with IMAX, I always say like, you know, that is the closest thing to, you know, transporting you into another world. Um, you know, in my travels, what I've learned is really human beings digest information very different ways. 
when I was in Japan a few years ago, um, you know, I, I, I met with our Japanese colleagues there, um, which was amazing because typically we only hear them on the phone. Um, and I said, I said, you know, I'd like to hear more about, you know, the advertisements here. I said, you constantly ask for more information or a lot more things on your posters. And they said, because Japanese consumers like all the information. They want to see all the information on a piece of advertisement so they can make a reasonable judgment or decision as to whether they want to buy into something, right? Whereas, you know, I would say in the domestic marketplace, we look for puns and we look for double meanings and we look for punchy, you know, copy similar to, to the UK. So it's very interesting in how you adjust things because just because it works in one market doesn't necessarily mean it works in another. And I think being a global um, company, I think that those are one of the, you know, that's one of the challenges, but I think in the same time, I think it's one of the most amazing things because it's so diverse. Yeah, and you, you hit on something there because a lot of times, especially visually, people want things simple, fast. You hear like attention spans or just, you know, a, a few seconds. And I was wanted to get your advice, Andrew, on simplifying complicated ideas and messaging for visual promotion material in that case. Yeah, you know, I would say, I think because we've seen so much advertising has evolved, right? Um, and I think even within the creative space, a lot of people who never thought as advertising as creative has actually, have actually understood that advertising is probably like the pinnacle moment of creativity meeting, you know, masses and volume, right? From a consumer standpoint. And I would say, you know, we tend to overcomplicate. And what advertising is and what creativity is, is really stripping out the layers and getting to the truth. What exactly are we trying to say to the consumer? They're human beings. A brand is also, in my opinion, a human being because there's always a CEO right behind it. There are people behind it who bring this brand to life and there is a voice, there's a culture. So, you know, I would always say strip it back, simplify it and get to the core of what you're really trying to communicate because you just need to speak in human speak at the end of the day. Andrew, you know, Regal Cinema, as uh, Vincent mentioned, friend of the podcast, they've obviously been badly affected by the uh, pandemic. Has IMAX been affected with the pandemic? How are you guys kind of working around it? You know, I think, you know, there's things like this that happen where you don't really have any control, right? But I think moments like this in, you know, a pandemic that doesn't happen very often, I think it, it provides every brand and every business an opportunity to really self-reflect and really self-reflect um, back to who we are, what we offer, and the problem that we're truly trying to solve, um, you know, within within the world. And I think, you know, for IMAX, I think the, the thing that we look at within um, IMAX creative, creative and also marketing is we go, what are we really trying to bring to our consumers? And I think what we try to bring to our customers and our consumers is the fact that human connectivity and being in this physical space where you can share a moment, where you can share an experience, where you can share these feelings and emotions is something so powerful that you can't get anywhere else. 
And, you know, I, I think, you know, I speak with my colleagues day in and day out on video chats. And I think we're all super, super excited to get back into theaters, obviously, you know, um, once it's safe um, and really experience that together and be able to, to have, you know, in this world of disruption, right? As you talked about it, Vincent, you're like, oh my gosh, like there's so much, you know, happening, you know, short form content is to be able to sit in on a two, two and a half hour film and just be with nothing interrupting you is something magical and something that you can't really find. It's very hard to find these days. Yeah, for sure. I have uh, two little kids and uh, uh, one of the side effects of pandemic has been uh, they grab their iPad and uh, they can uh, watch multiple shows. Some well, the older one gets into longer content, but the smaller one is going through a lot of different shows, things that we'd have to wait for as children for every Sunday to come out or something. You know, they have access to so much on their fingertips with this. Something about that shared movie going experience that you, I think is a very relevant part of our culture still. So we all look forward to getting back in the movie theaters. And so, you know, what's been kind of, uh, uh, on a personal note, what, what shows have you been watching? What's been interesting to you that's been out on uh, TV? Yeah, I think um, it, it's really interesting because I actually started, this is really funny because this is old, but I, um, I watched all of Six Feet Under. And I hadn't watched Six Feet Under in, I had never watched it actually. And, and I think, I think, you know, going back to your question, Vincent, about, you know, how, how do you, you know, recommendations or advice on, on advertising or, or marketing is, you know, what Six you know, Feet Under really hits on is the fact that it gets the truth. And it gets the truth of like, there is death. And so what you need to do is just enjoy the time that you're here and like that is like the harsh reality, but it's also just a fact that there is death. So you enjoy the moment that you're here. And I think relating that back to the pandemic, I go, it made me realize, I said, oh my gosh, well, how do you, you know, day-to-day -day is really mundane in like reality, right? Like humans are made to be like mobile, you know, we're mobile people. Um, and you do like mundane things, right? You eat and you sleep and you do things like that. But how do you make those mundane things extremely exciting and extremely interesting. And I think, you know, watching that, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's ways that I can like approach different things in life. And I said, how do I make mundane things that much more exciting? No, I like that. Yeah, that's, that's you know, I've never heard that show described that way, but I like it. It's a great show. And, it, you know, the uh, people don't really, Rain Wilson, who later became Dwight from the offices in that show what a great uh, i love that one of the best did you get to the season finale of that show yet andrew i got to it okay and, well, that's and, probably one of the best yeah. finales of a show i think ever i think ever. i agree i mean i think i think and this goes back to you know it's so relevant like you go like you sit there and you go yeah we will face that at some point we will grow older so like reflecting back on your life you're like you know, what have you achieved and what does life mean to you? I, I, it's, it's extremely, I would say like super provocative. And I said, oh my gosh, this is incredible.
Yeah, I love the show. Yeah, you know, the actor went on to go to Dexter. It's such a great, uh, and like you said, it makes you reflect. This whole time during the pandemic makes you reflect on different things where you have more time to do. We were talking off air where I, I've been, I with the exception of like, going to work and maybe four total hours. I've been around my wife and family so much, you know, and, and it just makes you appreciate things. It makes you realize like, wait, I got to come up with a, a plan. What's our next move here? You know, uh, that sort of thing. But anyway, uh, Andrew, I wanted to also talk about just the creative space in general, right? The, the, what have you noticed as some trends in the creative space, good or bad? Yeah, I think um, going back to that theme of, I would say, self-reflection and I would say, you know, really knowing who you are and being self-aware. I think a lot of brands are really headed in the direction of um, really, um, I would say, unlocking or resurfacing their true north. And I think we've seen it with a lot of brands. You know, we've seen it as of late with Burger King of stripping back you know, the, the color in their, in their new logo and, and taking a different direction going, you know, because we're not, you know, we, everything that we put in here, we want to make sure is reflection of our brand, the food that we provide you, all of that. So I think it's a lot of that of like stripping back the layers and, and going back to, you know, who, who you are as a brand. And that's what I'm seeing in design and advertising. Yeah. Kind of, you know, go, going back to their roots, simplifying, it doesn't have to always be you know, not everything has to be so flashy, right? It's like, oh, this is what this is about. You know, yeah, I've been seeing that. I read an interesting quote yesterday where it was kind of like, well, your brand is your brand is what other people were saying about it, right? I kind of mm. got that where it's like you, sometimes people think your, your, oh, our brand is this, but to other people it could be some, it means something so differently. I just saw that on, maybe it was LinkedIn or something. And I was like, oh, that's a pretty cool quote. Uh, it was nice to see that in between all the Bernie Sanders memes that have been out there. Uh, <laughs> lately, well, well, uh, well, you know, well, well, and I think that's like, it's almost like, you know, um, if you take a look at America as a brand, right? Mm -hmm. And you take, and there is some harsh truth to that. You go like the perception that people have of your brand, it comes from something. There's some truth to that. So, so what you do is, you know, I always tell people, I go, you know, how do you not mind the gap, but how do you bridge the gap? So if there is that gap in terms of perception versus your true north as a brand, how do you then go back to your roots and say, how do I, um, you know, effectively tell the story, this narrative? I think in each person, each brand, each business, that's really effectively what people are trying to do is tell a narrative that's authentically them, that's very brutally honest, and that um, that's, you know, effectively understood and digested. No, no, I, I agree. I like that. Uh, Andrew, I just want one other point. I wanted to get back to, you know, being a marketing podcast. I wanted to understand a little bit about, you know, you think IMAX and I think obviously the, the experience, the theaters, is your role or the company's role within marketing, are you mar marketing more to certain theaters to get your movies or are you marketing to the clients, to the consumers like me to go to those movies? Or is it the studios? Like, what's that? Who are you, you marketing to uh, specifically? Yeah, it's, you know, I would say like marketing is so broad, 
Right, especially what we do within marketing at IMAX, it's so broad because, you know, we truly do affect business and we play a very critical role. And especially within creative marketing, we play a critical role in terms of how we, you know, create that narrative and how we really bring, you know, um, how we bridge that gap, right, between, you know, humans or consumers and customers and then what we're offering. Um, and I think for us, you know, What's so great about, I would say, the entertainment technology landscape, and in, in much in, in many other businesses, is there's there's very strong partnerships and relationships. I think for us, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call it marketing with um, with filmmakers. I would just call them building strong partnerships and going. You know, IMAX is a great brand. IMAX has great cameras. IMAX has you know this canvas. I would say for filmmakers, where they go, this is a playground for me to play on. I want to like play with your tools. I want to play with, with the gadgets that you have at IMAX. And I think separately, we, we then have partnerships with exhibitors and studios. Um, it's, and it's a full ecosystem. The studios who we partner up with, you know, they develop the content um, in terms of partnering up with filmmakers as well. And the exhibitors are basically the physical spaces in which we can And then I think ultimately, um, you know, in terms of yeah, like true, who are we really marketing to on a day to day is, you know, um, I would say the moviegoers and I would also say people who are fans of specific IPs, specific franchises, specific experiences. And I think there's also people who, um, who are technophiles. There's the cinephiles, there's the technophiles because they are very interested. When they hear that there is a film shot with IMAX film cameras, you know, they go crazy and they want to hear more. They go like, tell me more about that. Where can I see it? When can I see it? You know, and, and I think, you know, we've seen that some, some of those fans are, you know, combinations of cinephiles and technophiles in one, or they are people who are interested in the franchises. So it's really broadened out over the, the past few years, I would say. Vincent, I have to say, I'm surprised you watched Six Feet Under. I thought you only watched uh, bad dating shows. So. Yeah, <laughs> bad dating. <laughs> the Bachelorette's not that. It's not a bad dating show. It's uh, Six Feet Under is a, a piece of cinematic. That's a masterpiece. Yeah, the yeah, Bachelor you, Bachelorette. It, we we got into it on this podcast here, Andrew. Uh, the the Bachelor Bachelorette uh, before. But uh, yeah, I, I I watch everything. It's like uh, my. It's like the music I listen to. It's everything. Yeah, yeah, well, I was a great. I think they're like on season twenty, right? Like the Bachelor, or the Bachelorette. It's yeah. really crazy. I know. Well, it's one of those things that, like, my wife used to watch with her sister, but then her sister moved to uh, Amsterdam or New Zealand. I don't even know where she lives now. But it's, she and then my wife is like, "Would you watch it with me?" I'm like, "Oh, all right. You know what? Fine." Then I'm like, "I'm hooked." I'm like, "You need to send her home. Get her out of there." Like, it's, yeah. It's a guilty pleasure, if you will. And AJ, he AJ, has many. Sometimes you need many. that. Sometimes yeah, yeah. you need that. I know. I have too many. But, you know, you've been watching some crazy shows lately, AJ. Nothing I would admit to on the podcast. No, sure. I can't. I won't, I won't shout you <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, and, Andrew, so just coming back to marketing, another question is we're always interested in how larger companies structure their marketing departments. So can you just... Give us a sense of what some of the key uh, departments are within marketing or key roles within marketing and how you guys uh, handle all of that. 
Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, we're predominantly centralized in um, Playa Vista, which is called, you know, considered Silicon Beach um, here in, you know, Silicon Valley and Silicon Beach um, here in California. Um, and then, you know, I would say that's the central function of, of marketing where you then have strategy and digital and creative and brand. Um, you know, within my group, I have, you know, project management, operations, production. Um, and then, you know, internationally, we then have um, our regional offices, who then I would say are multidisciplinary, right? They have relationships with studios, they also have relationships with um, exhibitors, and um, they work on everything that is product, brand, content campaigns. And, you know, we work very closely with them. So I would say, as a global network, um, you know, we try to create this ecosystem where we're able to connect with one another on a day-to-day. -day. So I would say, you know, from a function standpoint, um, those are probably the main functions that we have with the marketing. And do you guys do your, uh, is there advertising you do directly for the brand? Are you uh, placing ads or is it more kind of through your partners and theaters that the brand gets uh, uh, developed over time? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, um, it depends on what campaign we're running, right? I think um, we have this network of 1600 plus theaters and they're incredible partners um, and there is incredible placements there, you know? And we also have um, our own channels with my, which my team produces um, a lot of content and a lot of, you know, um, ads and, um, and pieces like that to go onto our uh, social channels. Um, and then I would say, you know, um, there are other opportunities whenever we have opportunities with content campaigns with studios. Do you remember kind of your first IMAX experience or at a young age? I'm trying to think of mine while we're talking. You know, I, I think certainly, I think back in 98, when the new Star Wars, like uh, episode one, two, and three came out again. Uh, I remember that. I think I remember Gladiator in IMAX um, in 2000. Uh, you know, I don't know if you remember, if you have a memory of your, kind of your first one or two movies that you've seen. Well, I think that, I think that you bring up a good point. Like you talked about, you know, the Star Wars franchise, right? Um, you know, my first experience was, you know, as going on a field trip um, as like a nine or 10 year old to the California Science Center and seeing, oh, yeah. I believe like a space documentary and sitting there and, and going, oh my gosh, this is gigantic. Like, like you're like, you are immersed in it. And as a little kid who's like four feet or whatever height I was, you kind of <laughs> go, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. Yeah. And your point now, right? Like, like your, your, eventually your kids, like when they do grow up and you're they're experiencing that in an IMAX theater, they're experiencing something different. Mm -hmm. Their first point of interaction with IMAX may not be in a museum. It may be, you know, watching, um, experiencing a blockbuster film. That's right. Yeah, you remember like the like the planet Earth in IMAX. I mean, it's so much more than just like than a film. It's crazy. Uh, AJ, what was your, do you have a memory of kind of a, a film in IMAX? Did you take your, uh, your oldest to IMAX yet? No, my the what we've done is taken him to various kind of the natural history museum stuff, and uh, uh, it, it's uh, it's uh, too realistic for him most of the time. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
But he likes to go there, but then he'll close his eyes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we uh, my first uh, well, one of my favorite movies in IMAX that I particularly remember everybody wanted to uh, really watch it on IMAX was uh, The Dark Knight. Oh know? yeah, absolutely insane, right? Classic uh, IMAX movie, I would say. Christopher Nolan. Yep. Sorry, I said I don't want to ask that last question there. Go ahead, AJ. Um, so yeah, the other kind of staple question we ask, Andrew, is uh, a lot of folks that are on the podcast get a lot of unsolicited emails and messages, especially on LinkedIn. So we always want to know what is it that gets your attention and what is something that really annoys you that people do on uh, LinkedIn when reaching out to you? Yeah, I mean, I find it's interesting because LinkedIn has evolved. You know, I always say like how Facebook has evolved. I remember when I first joined Facebook, you needed a .edu or at edu.com email address, right? And then now you don't. So, you know, and I, I, I find like through the pandemic, LinkedIn has evolved and it's become this, this great platform for connecting. I think for me, you know, um, I think number one is, um, you know, when I do receive friend requests where let's say there's a message that's attached to it, that's relevant, that makes sense. I think that's probably the most powerful for me, right? I've had some, some one-off, um, you know, engagements. I've like, you know, met Vincent and your great team, but you know, there was someone who I did meet who was looking to really understand, you know, how do I get into marketing as like a recent college grad? And I said, sure, let's spend some time. And I thought that was really, I said, if you're really interested, I'm more than happy to give you 30 minutes of my time because if that can help shape and shift the direction that you're headed into, then that's really important. So I would say, you know, a friend request with a message in it that's relevant that people, you know, want to talk about. I'm all about stimulating conversations and discussions. I'm all about, um, I would say a friend request without anything you know, makes it really challenging. And this goes back to, you know, perception versus the reality. They may have a hundred connections, shared connections, but I don't really know to what, like, what does that mean, right? Um, in today's age of connectivity and data and information. So I would say a friend request with a message um, that that's relevant, I think is the most powerful. Anything, any marketing pet peeves or something that uh, particularly annoys you? You seem like a very nice guy, so you may not have one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this goes back to, um, you know, how do we simplify things and how do we not overcomplicate things? Um, you know, I grew up in a household um, where my mom, you know, was a single mom right no siblings and, and my mom always says she's like you are either the problem or the solution in life so pick one and so i think looking at that i always look at i would say creativity and um as a problem solver and i think when people have fixed mindsets and they don't have growth mindsets i think that's probably a pet peeve for me um, I'm also the guy who I never see the glasses half full and I never see that the glasses half empty. I see the glasses overflowing. So I always tell people this. I'm like, I see the glasses overflowing because I think everything that you're challenged with is an opportunity. So I think, you know, with, with marketing, um, I think we have to be in this growth mindset on a constant basis. 
And we have to understand that adaptability and getting ahead is really what we need in today's age because you never know what's going to happen. Things transform around us, right? It's almost like the permanence of impermanence is what I always like to, to say it is. And Andrew, uh, you know, we have a few minutes left, but I wanted to talk to you about this because it is an organization that I uh, was personally involved with and you and I share together is the Big Brothers Big Sister program. Talk to us a little bit about uh, your involvement there. Uh, wonderful organization. And, uh, you know, I was part of it for 11 years and really enjoyed it, but love to hear more about that. Yeah, I mean, first off, you know, it's great to hear that you're a part of it for 11 years because that is extremely long. When when I first, um, you know, started looking into mentorship, I told myself, I said, you know, I want to invest in something that I could see grow. Much like when I, you know, joined IMAX, I wanted to help grow a brand. I said, I want to invest in something that um, that I can grow, right? Um, and, and I felt like, because I had never had a father figure in my life, um, when I looked up, you know, I ended up going with Catholic Big Brothers Big Sisters here in Los Angeles, and I was paired up with uh, my little brother Diego, who was eight at that time. And when you've never had a kid, right? You you both have kids. I was like, do you hold his hand when you cross the street? Do you like like I said at eight? What happens at eight? Like, do I like how cautious do I need to be, right? And now it's been it'll be nine years in February. Um. And our relationship has evolved from, you know, going bowling and doing arts and crafts to really shaping him for college. In the fall, wow. he, he is the first of his family to apply to a four-year university. Um, and he's, a, he's um, one child of, of four. Um, and he also transformed his grades from a 3.5 fall semester last year to 4.83. Wow. Past fall semester. So I go, I always say, you know, like sometimes you don't know what you don't know as a kid and you just need guidance. And I'm sure for you, Vincent, you probably, you know, um, learned that throughout, throughout the process as well. Yeah, no, I did, Andrew. And I, I uh, have an older brother and I single mother as well. And it was little things that like, I say 11 years, but it was involving two little brothers like one was almost you know uh done with the program that i you know i've kept in touch with and that i have i, I was going down a path with another one who i actually went to high school with his mother and wow. it, yeah it was you know and that uh, was omari and we went uh down that path but little things that helped me become a better father because you're right when they're like omari was young maybe seven or eight where where i would take him out for like a breakfast and he was having trouble eating pancakes. And I'm like, oh, wait, I have to like help him cut these pancakes. You know, like little things Absolutely. like that, that you don't realize. But no, it's, I think it's, I've always been involved with community service um, as well as AJ has as well during leukemia lymphoma. Recently for the holidays, I put it on LinkedIn because I wanted to share a proud father moment. My son and I packed up packages uh, for the homeless around here in New York City. And he was helping me put like little socks and this and that. And it just meant so much to me to do that. Um, 
But and, uh, so thank you for sharing that story with us, Andrew, and your story. Lastly, we just have a minute or so. What, what have you been doing? What, what do you like doing for fun? I know you're an uh, amateur pie baking champion. Uh, you know, I know you've been doing that. You just bought a house. Congratulations, my friend. But tell me a little bit more what you like to do, the, the pie thing. Uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Um, people always say, um, they're always like, I'm so surprised at you. And I said, why? And they said, because you like find something and then you figure out how to do it. And then you like go the whole nine yards, right? Like before pie baking, I started this pie baking thing in the summer, I would say during the pandemic. And I had never baked a pie. I never like did that. And then, you know, for me, I always like to do things from scratch. So this isn't like buy a pie crust that's done by filling and then slap it on, you know, buy whipped cream. Everything is like by hand. And I probably made in total about like nine to 10 different pies, everything nice. from blueberry pies to what I like to call oat almond oat banana cream pies to key lime pies so 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 I think I think that I don't know I'll probably that'll probably um there'll probably be like a resurgence back during the holidays when we're all able to get back together there's like this other fascination I have with plants which I never understood when I was little I always walked into you know um homes of relatives and I said why don't people have flowers I said, why do people always have green plants? And then now, you know, it's kind of come back around to your point, Vincent, uh, Vincent you said things come back around, right? Mm -hmm. With the, with the faith um, is with plants. I find them fascinating because you go literally one day, there's nothing there. The next day it's a leaf. Yeah. And you go, how did that happen overnight? And I think there's some fascination for me of like things that just evolve and then they reach their maximum full potential and you're like oh my gosh that's gorgeous um yeah. so i would say like plant and um i would say um a lot of the things the inspiration that i have with this new you know when you buy a place it's a house and then you then transform it into your home yeah i think a lot of the things that i'm really into right now is really taking a look at how do i um transform that new physical place into a home um, that reflects, I would say, you know, my travels and how yeah. do I make sure like every inch of it is a part of who I am. So yeah, those, I, I would say those are a few, you know, hobbies right now. <laughs> no, I love that. And then, like I said, I'm very, very happy for you that, you know, you bought a home and you're right. You know, maybe it's taking some of those photos from your travels and framing them. Uh, you know, it, it, maybe it's pieces that you purchase from those areas that you could kind of put up. But uh, I love it. I love the story, Andrew. I love the time that you spent with us. And uh, we appreciate you sharing your IMAX story, your, your personal story as well. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the Vice President of Global Creative Marketing, Andrew Almendras. I am Vincent Petrofessa. That's AJ Gupta. Thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. Thank you so much, and we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at info at themarketingstir.com. Thanks for listening.